What I'd like to do is, um, on Sunday evenings, I'd like to go through the book of Acts. I've sort of gone through the book of John now, and I'd like to do it on Sunday evenings, uh, go through this book, and we're going to be in Acts chapter 1, verse 1 to 14, and I've entitled the lesson this tonight as The Imperial Ambitions of Christ, and that will make sense as we, as we go on. Those of you who've been watching the news will be aware of what's going on in the world, right? I'm sure everybody knows what's happening in Ukraine. It seems like um, Russia is trying to forcefully take over Ukraine. I think that's sort of the, the idea. Uh, I'm not on the front line, so I'm not sure, but that seems to be what's going on. Uh, Russia believes that Ukraine used to be a part of it, and now it believes it needs to take it back, believing that some of the people in Ukraine um, actually want to be part of Russia. And it seems like politically what could be transpiring is that China is on the side looking at how this thing is working out. How much is America going to be involved here? What is NATO going to do about the situation in Ukraine? Because China wants to do what? China wants Taiwan. It's a similar, it's the same thing. China wants to take over Taiwan, which used to be a part of China. And so if the world doesn't really interfere with Ukraine, and Russia manages to take over Ukraine, then maybe China is going to be bold and say, hey, then we can take over Taiwan. But if they interfere, then, you know, it's not going to be. And that's, I think, why America is really pushing hard to make sure that Russia doesn't take over Ukraine because there will be re repercussions. Now, this whole thing, this is a form of imperialism. It's a form of imperialism. And, you um, no, I, I don't want to get technical about this, but um, imperialism is sort of when one big nation wants to take over smaller nations and assimilate them into Russia wants to be bigger, right? And China wants to be bigger, wants to take over other territories. Now, sometimes imperialism and colonialism is associated with each other, and maybe that's something that's not as close to home for Americans. I'm not sure. I don't know the American history that well, but South Africa, where I come from, it was a colony. So the southern tip of Africa was colonized by the British, by the Dutch. Um, other parts of Africa were colonized by the French um, and the Port Portugal. Um, and that's basically when these guys said, look, uh, the British said, we want more land. We want to spread out our empire. Let's go take the southern tip of Africa. It's the expansion of a kingdom. So the, um, the idea of imperialism or colonialism is generally frowned upon, right? I mean, how do you feel one big bully nation takes over a smaller nation and says, you're not part of us? How do you feel about that? We don't like it. That's why the world is angry at Russia. And we're angry at China. It's a bad, bad thing. It's the bullying of a small nation by a big nation. And usually it happens by force. And that's the problem, isn't it? That's the problem with, with Russia. Why didn't Russia just knock on Ukraine's door and say, Hey guys, why don't you guys join us? We all become one big Russia. Why didn't Russia do that? Because Ukraine would say what? No. And so they want to force themselves uh, uh, upon the Ukrainians. So here are a few words um, I'd like us to just think about. These are the words that come to my mind 
when I think about imperialism. Control. We want to control the smaller nations. We're a big nation. We want to control the smaller nations. We want to dominate. We want to be overpowering of the smaller nations. We want to suppress. So suppression and invasion. That's what's happening at the moment. Russia is invading Ukraine. And conquest and exploitation. One of the big reasons why I think these guys want to do this, why empire building happens, is because, well, Taiwan has resources and Ukraine has resources. There's gold and there's silver and there's minerals. And we want to mine that. So at the end of the day, I think a lot of it is about money, right? We want to take over this territory. We don't care about the people, really. We just want what's in the soil. So we want the territories of Ukraine for us because we want to exploit the land. And then there's obviously expansion. And maybe some people have said that um, Putin has got cancer and this is the last attempt, the last big thing that he wants to do for Russia at the end of his life is to make sure that this empire is, that he's remembered forever as this guy who spread out and expanded the Russian empire. Now, obviously I'm talking political stuff here. Uh, you'll get why I'm talking about it. Uh, now. now, I want you to keep that in mind, and I want us to shift over to um, Israel in the first century. Israel and in the first century, what do you think was the political situation like in terms of what I've just said? Israel was in finding itself in the middle of an empire. Which empire? The Roman Empire. They have been, the Israelites were victims of this. They were controlled by the Romans. They were dominated by the Romans. They were suppressed by the Romans. They were invaded by the Romans. The, the Romans had a conquest to take over this place. They were exploited by the Romans because Israel is a wonderful piece of land, right? And all of this is part of the Roman expansion into the world. And Israel was just one of these little nations that was caught in the action. And can you imagine what it feels like? For a Ukrainian, when they march into your town and take over your town. Or for a Taiwanese guy, when the Chinese move in there and take over their town. That's how it felt for these Jews, when these Romans marched in and just took over. I think it was just a little bit worse for them than it, than it is for Ukraine now. I mean, they've already been taken over. I mean, could you, could you imagine? It's hard for us to imagine, right? It's hard for us to imagine this in America. I mean, which country will be able, to, which empire will be able to overtake us? So cool to say that, us. I'm part of the big boys now, right? In South Africa, it would be like, who's going to take over? The, the fear in South Africa is that China is going to overtake everything. Because um, African countries are borrowing a lot of money from China. And so China is eventually going to say, hey, give us a piece of land. So we were scared of being colonized by China. Can you imagine how bad that must feel? You know, all the writing suddenly changes to ching chong cha. Yeah? It would be horrible. So the, the Roman Empire had already taken over the Israelites, the Jews, and now, now they were dominating them and controlling them. They were slaves in their own land. They were slaves in their own land. They were not happy. These Jews, these, these guys we read about in the Bible, they weren't happy. But they had hope. Why did they have hope? Well, just I can, I can give many, many. But they believed that the Messiah would restore Israel. They believed the Messiah. And here's one of the prophecies. This is Psalm chapter 2. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? 
The kings of the earth rise up. And the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Who's the anointed, ladies and gentlemen? That's the Messiah. Now, when, when this was written down, perhaps by David, he didn't think about the Roman Empire, but the spirit in him was talking about that, even though it was true in his time as well. This is powerful. I mean, if you were sitting and you're an Israelite, and you read this, these verses about five, six hundred years before Christ, it was still powerful because the God that the Israelites served, I mean, was so powerful that the kings of the earth could do nothing, right? Verse 3, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. What is he talking about prophetically? He's talking about this dominance, dominance by the Roman Empire. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. Did you know that God laughs? He does. You know what you need to do? You need to go YouTube. You want to laugh? Ask Dana. It's called Thou Shalt Laugh. Go check that out. It's a comedy, comedy, stand-up comedy thing for Christians. It's very cool. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in His anger and terrifies them in His wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. What is that talking about? It's talking about the Messiah. So he's mentioned the Messiah. He's, he's talking now about the Son of God. Ask me, verse 8, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Look at that. And Jesus rebukes Peter for picking up a sword. Peter's maybe thinking, hey, Brute, when last did you read Psalm chapter 2? Isn't that what we're supposed to dash them and smash them? Therefore, you kings be wise, be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son. Or he will be angry and your way will lead to your destruction for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. This is just one prophecy I just briefly brought out to signify to us that when the Jews in the first century read these verses, it was an indication that the Messiah is going to save them from this Roman Empire. They believed it. Now, let's move on. Um, God's kingdom would be established during the Roman rule. That's the second prophecy. So there's the prophecy about the Messiah. And then there's the prophecies of Daniel, right? Remember in, in the book of Daniel, chapter 2, the king has a dream, right? About a rock that comes from heaven and smashes the whole statue that represents all the kingdoms that, uh, you know, for time into one statue, smashes it to pieces. The rock then mutates into a mountain that fills the whole earth. And then he says that's, that's reference to the kingdom. And so it is quite clear in those prophecies that during the Roman rule, a kingdom will appear that will fill the whole earth. And so the Jews were looking forward to this kingdom. Who would bring this kingdom? Who's the rock? It's the Messiah. Is everybody with me? It's the Messiah. Tell me if I lose you. Just put up your hand and say, hey, Bruce, lost you. Okay. Daniel 2 verse 44. In the days of those kings, the God of the heavens will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. And this kingdom will not be left to another people. It will crush all these kingdoms and bring them to an end but will itself endure forever. Chapter 7, similarly, the kingdom, dominion, and greatness of the kingdoms under all of heaven will be given to the people, the holy ones of the Most High. 
His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom and all rulers will serve and obey him. Okay, so in a nutshell, let me just summarize everything I've said. These first century Christians, Jews, they were under Roman dominance, the Roman Empire. It was horrible to be there, but in the back of their minds, they had hope and confidence because they believed that when the Messiah comes, he's going to be their king and they will be liberated from the Roman Empire. Okay? Not only that, when the Messiah comes, he will establish a kingdom that will never be destroyed. And it will be an eternal kingdom. More powerful than any other kingdom that's ever been on the earth. Keep that in your mind. We read that in Luke chapter 24 verse 21. When Jesus speaks to the, the two guys on the road to Emmaus. They said the following to him. But we were hoping he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. So. These guys who walked with Jesus and saw his ministry. They thought Jesus is the Messiah. So he's the guy that's going to save Israel from the Romans. And then he dies. It's like, oh, I thought, I thought he's going to like sort it out for us. I thought he's going to untie us from the Roman Empire. I thought, he's gonna, I thought this is it, man. I saw him raise Lazarus from the dead. This must be the Messiah. Now he's dead. That's what these guys are saying. We thought that he's going to be the one that's going to save us from this empire. But then, guess what happened? Jesus resurrected. If you read the verses after that. And then they'd hope again. So it's like, they've got hope. Jesus dies, they lose hope. Then he resurrects, then they've got hope again. Sometimes God can send you through a roller coaster. Goodness gracious. Now, they had some serious hope. Um, I mean, would you want somebody to lead your nation if death cannot keep them down? <laughs> I, think, I think they thought, well, the Roman Empire's got nothing on this guy. I mean, our king is not going to be like Augustus. Our king, he can't die, man. You can try to do what you want. He's our king. Now, with this backdrop, we look at tonight's text. Everything I've just said, carry it with you as we read the text for tonight. Acts chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. In my former, former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. It's interesting that the text says, you know, it talks about what Jesus did and, um, and taught and what Jesus commanded before he ascended. Now, Luke tells us that at the end of Luke. Um, so Jesus suffered and, and then he was resurrected and then he appeared to his apostles. Um, and we, we estimate there were about 13 appearances in that period of 40 days. Um, but Jesus did also speak a peculiar message during this time. So I want you to imagine, Jesus is raised from the dead. 40 days later, he goes up to heaven. In that 40-day period, 
he spoke with his disciples. And this text says, the topic was this, the kingdom of God. I want you to keep this in your mind. What did he say to them about this kingdom? Because we're talking about kingdoms tonight, right? What did he say to them? This was obviously aligned with the prophecies. And you can imagine that the disciples were quite excited to hear him speak about the kingdom, right? Because that's what they thought he came to do, to establish a kingdom. They were hungry, and they were ready for what? The Romans to be kicked out of their land. So they're excited, man. The one who raised from the dead, he's going to now set up this kingdom for us. They were ready and happy for David's kingdom to return, and they now were on fire. They were on fire. Since Jesus, after all, they now knew for a fact, was the Messiah. So prophecy was being fulfilled in their presence. What did Jesus say about the kingdom? And I, I wanted to do this exercise, but I thought, usually my Sunday night lessons go longer than I anticipate. I didn't go read every verse that deals with the kingdom, what Jesus said about the kingdom. Because he did speak a lot about it prior to the cross. Um, like, for example, um, he said that the kingdom would come. Right? And he said that we need to pray that the kingdom can come. Um, he said that the kingdom of heaven is reserved for a certain type of person. Like unless you become like a child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, he said that the kingdom will grow like a mustard seed. It will start very small, but turn into a big tree. Um, and we wonder, what else did he discuss with his disciples? Maybe many of these things. Maybe many of the things that he did say previously now started to make sense to them. Any case, point is, he was talking to them about the kingdom of God. Then we read from verse 4 to 8, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of, to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, they look at verse 6. What they are asking there in verse 6 is pretty clear and normal and understandable, wouldn't you say? They were expecting the kingdom of Israel to be restored. That's what they understood through the prophecy. All right. You came to establish your eternal kingdom. We believe you fully now. We know you're the son of David. We believe you're the Messiah. So when are you going to restore the kingdom? When are you going to kick the Romans out? And I can imagine they're excited how lucky we are to live in the time of the Messiah when he comes to earth. And we're probably going to sit on 12 tribes, thrones judging the tribes of Israel. Now, Jesus never used the phrase the kingdom of Israel. This is, it's them using this phrase. In, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, when the kingdom is mentioned, it's kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven. It's never kingdom of Israel. 
Because Jesus is, is beyond the kingdom of Israel. His kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. The gospel seemed to alternate between those two. What the, what the disciples didn't understand is that the prophecies of the kingdom of heaven, or the prophecies of the kingdom in the Old Testament, and the words of Jesus about the kingdom did not refer to the physical kingdom of Israel, but referred to what we can call the spiritual kingdom of God's people. Do we all understand that? That's the prophecy. So it was about the restoration of all things. It was about the salvation of the church, the saved of the earth. And so essentially these disciples, they are still nationally minded. They like still, they're thinking small. They're thinking Israel. And Jesus is thinking world. You think Israel, I think world. You think Israel, Jew, I think all peoples. I'm thinking globally. You're thinking nationally. Verse 7, Jesus answers them. Um, it's as if Jesus is saying there will be a restoration, but only God knows uh, then. Now, this was not the first time that Jesus was confronted sort of with this question. Uh, we see that in the book of Matthew. Uh, previously, Jesus told them only the Father in heaven knows when um, um, it, Jesus uh, would come back. And Jesus does here what he always does. He spiritualizes and he, in a sense globalizes the physical and remote-minded uh, question. I'm not going to spend too much time on that, but I want to go to verse 8 where he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea. So in a sense, I see Jesus saying here, leave God's things to God. Timings and kingdoms, all of that stuff, leave that to God. Okay? But what you must focus on is what God will do for you within the next few days and what you need to do then. What God will do for you and what you need to do then. All you need to know is this. I have a mission for you. And I'll give you everything that you need for it. Simple, plain and simple. He says to them, I'll give you power. The Greek word there is dunamis. What does that sound like? The Greek, the Greek is actually so dynamite. I'm going to give you dynamite. Uh, and then he says, you're going to be my witnesses. The Greek word is martur. What does that sound like? Martyr. <laughs> I'm going to give you dynamite. What do we do with dynamite? <laughs> we wage war. What does Russia use to overtake Ukraine? Dynamite. Plovstov. What's that? Um, what do you call it? When What's that? The stuff you put in your bullets? Powder? Gunpowder? I'm going to give you gunpowder. That in a sense is a military term. These, these guys are concerned. Oh my goodness. The Roman Empire has overtaken us. Jesus says, no, 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 no. I'm going to give you power from heaven. We're going to take over the world. We're going to build the biggest empire the planet has ever seen. And it's going to start with you guys. And you guys are going to die while you do it. 
You talk about empire building. Go to Jesus. He knows how to do it. And he did a brilliant job. I'm going to give you power. You're going to be my soldiers. And you're going to go die for me in the mission field. Because we are going to take over the world. You want my kingdom? You want to be part of the eternal kingdom? Good. You've signed up for the right place. This is how we're going to do it. You guys just wait. We're going to start in Jerusalem. Then we're going to go into Judea. Then we're going to go into Samaria. And then we're going to go into the ends of the world with dynamite. That's the mission of the greatest kingdom that the world will ever see. And we're a part of it. 2,000 years later, here we sit and we are in this kingdom. It defies boundaries, this kingdom. It defies nationalities. It defies languages. It defies geography, this kingdom. That's why it can grow so big. That's why it mutates and it fills the whole earth. Verse 9 and 10. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. Now, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. He dies for the cause, right? He dies on the cross for the cause. Just picture with me, okay? So he dies on the cross. He conquers death for the cause of the kingdom, right? Then he preaches the kingdom, and then he claims to be the king of this kingdom. And then he leaves. What do you think these guys were thinking? Like we thought you're going to be our king. You prove by ra being raised from the dead. Now you just leave us alone with this mission. He doesn't build a palace. The king of kings doesn't build a palace. He doesn't get himself a throne. He just gets on a cloud, leaves. And the disciples are left amazed and perplexed. I believe that there are two me messages that he tells them by his leaving. Number one, my kingdom is not of this world. That's why he can leave. He doesn't have to be in the world to have a kingdom in this world. Okay? Number two, it's your job to spread my kingdom with the power that I give you. That's the two messages I get. I can leave because my kingdom is not of this world. But you, it's your job to spread this kingdom in your world where you live. Now let's bring it together. <coughs> Daniel prophesied that the kingdom of Christ would fill the whole earth. It would start with the rock from heaven, that is Christ, that grows into a mountain. Ladies and gentlemen, that's imperialism. He had trained his soldiers, the disciples, and now he tells them that they will receive the greatest weapon on earth, the dunamos, to start this journey, to conquer the world. Ladies and gentlemen, God wants his kingdom to overtake the earth. He's worse than Putin. But there's a difference. 
Here's the difference. God wants to overtake the world, not to control the world, but to free the world. God wants to overtake the world, not to dominate the world, but to invite the world into a relationship with Him. God wants to overtake the world, not to suppress the world, but to give human beings a sense of gratification with the life that He has given them. Eternal gratification. God wants to um, overtake the world, not to invade it. Not to invade people's lives, invade their hearts, but to inspire them to walk with the God of heaven and earth. He wants to overtake the world, not through conquest or to confine people, but to liberate people. He wants to invade the world, not to exploit people. He doesn't need anything from us. He wants to do it so that he can be benevolent and so he can take over. The only thing I would say here that God is interested in that's exactly the same as a worldly empire is that he wants expansion. He wants the kingdom to expand over the earth. And we've been tasked with that. So Jesus wants us to take over the earth with goodness and love, not by force, but by humility, not for money or power, but to help the world and to honor God. God wants good to take over the planet, and He is good, and so is His kingdom. That's what He wants. So let's conclude. Concluding thoughts. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. That's 2 Timothy 2 and verse 1. Sometimes we can just get so occupied in life that we forget that we're actually just here to be kingdom expansionists. We have to focus on the real kingdom. There is a kingdom bigger than America, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) There is a kingdom bigger. There's a kingdom that can overtake this country. We are not the biggest country in the world. We're not the biggest kingdom. We have this kingdom that we are a part of. And we need to promote it. Secondly, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph in the world is that good men do nothing. I just mentioned that in, 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 in terms of um, if we don't expand this kingdom, if we don't fulfill this mission, who will? Who will? If we are not the ones that promote this kingdom that can change the world, who will? It's like, it's like you've got a Ukrainian soldier He's got all these guns and stuff, but he hides in his bunker. He doesn't want to fight the Russians. Well, guess what's going to happen? Russia's going to overtake. One of the key reasons I hear why no country wants to invade America is because of what? Because every house has got a whole armies of we- army of weapons. <laughs> I've been to Dave's house. He, I think he's got like 15 guns or something. I want to walk into Dave's house. You'll come out full of holes. You look like cheese. So, so, so that's one of the key reasons, because there will be resistance. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, every time evil triumphs, it shrinks. If we don't stand up and fight against evil. And then, this is an interesting lesson. Leaders lead so they can leave. Jesus trained his disciples for three years. He prepared him for what? For the day that he would leave them. So you have a ministry that you are particularly good in. Take time to train somebody else to do what you can do. That's what a good leader does. And I think we need to do more of that. I think there's space for that. You are successful, really successful. You are successful as a leader like Jesus If you can get somebody else to do what you can, and even better than you can. 
Anybody would like to preach? Only Dave. But he's already better than I am. Somebody else. Isaiah? Don't be scared, young man. Okay, nominate Jason. All right, let's conclude. <laughs> Jason's like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Acts chapter 1 verse 12 closes it off. What did the disciples do then? Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Can you imagine them walking all quiet? Don't know what to expect. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judah, son of James. And this is what they did. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So the under, underlying part is all I'd like us to take home tonight. God wants to use each one of us to expand his kingdom. But before you can do any of that, just pray. If you pray and you ask God to use you, He will, because what happened after this prayer, you'll find out next week. But when we pray, it's interesting what happens. It's like God gives you an extra injection of dynamite. And then He will use you. He'll use you to expand His kingdom. Powerfully. Let's pray together.